0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the 307 podcast. Boy, YouTube's getting a real treat today, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They already got one live episode. Oh, I just got the notification. They already got one live episode for the week, and here they're getting a second one. Well, that's been the past two weeks. What, your, your mic, dude, what's going on with your mic, man? How's it now? Yeah, I got you now, You're man. the darn tech guy over there. No, sir. No, sir. Don't start that with me, brother. Um, all right. I was trying to find a message that somebody sent me here on Instagram. This is going to be kind of what I wanted to start the con I get so many stinking messages on Instagram, the dude just sent it to me. Well, what was it about? Uh, well, what, you I, wanting to read well, it? Verbatim? I wanted. I wanted to read it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Here it is. I found it. I found it. Okay. I'm good now. We got some special guests up in the house for y'all. So put the camera on my man Andrew and Brittany and and my sister Brittany. Special guests in the studio for you guys. Man, thank you guys so much for coming. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. It really is. Well, it's a it's a real treat for us. One. Andrew taught on resurrected a couple of weeks ago and um it was just for me it just filled me up man it was just it was such a powerful powerful message in it really revolved around our identity in Christ sure right yeah and the listeners know this the reason I think the reason that that message challenged me so much, not only was it well spoken, you talked very well. Uh, it was it was I was able to receive it because the way you delivered it. But the reason it impacted me so much, man, is because one of the things I struggle the most with is seeing even just the humanity of other people, right? and then you took it to the next level andrew you were like no you shouldn't only see their humanity like you should see not you should see who they are as a as an image bearer of jesus christ and god the creator of all that is we are image bearers every and, and we should not only see that in other people but we should remember that about ourselves hit me between the eyes brother it was good yeah and so that was my first introduction to andrew and um it was impactful man you are a special dude
1: jesus is amazing man you know he he, he changed my life and um one of the biggest things that I, that I like to say is is the the primary message on my life is beloved identity Mm-hmm. And so understanding that you're a son and you're a daughter first before you're anything else. And when you wake up in the morning, it's, it's not about the day. It's not about the troubles of yesterday. It's not about what might come or, or even the future. It, it's centrally focusing on that I'm a son or I'm a daughter and he loves me. And when you come from that standpoint, it doesn't matter what the day throws at you because your response huh. can only be love because you're coming from love. And so that really just changes uh, the the whole perspective of how I'm going to live my life that day. And it's not reactionary. I'm going to live in love. And I'd, I'd say all the time that you know people ask me, you know, well, how did you find this message? I didn't. It found me. Mm-hmm. It came and got me. It was it was literally like it just attacked me in my bedroom one day, and I haven't been able to get away from it. And now I don't ever want to get away from it. I just want to bring others into it.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, you're right, man. And it it impacts like you said, the way you respond throughout the day, if you remember that first about yourself. Mm-hmm. But for me too, it, it also goes to the next level of impacting the way you view others, viewing others with that, that same identity, man. It's just a really powerful thing, truth to be reminded of and to try daily, make an effort to remind yourself mm-hmm. of your identity, as a son or daughter of the king, I mean, come on, if that don't get you fired up. Oh my gosh, dude. It's crazy, man. I go to, I go to, I get, I'm, I get the opportunity to go and speak at these corporate events and these big meetings with people who are entrepreneurs, real estate agents, and, and all, and, and, uh, you know they're hard chargers in the corporate world and they've got they 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 all it, it's crazy to me man because they're all so excited about like the opportunity to to make money or to gain wealth here on earth and i'm just like if you're ex- if you if this makes you excited if i could only get you to understand the gospel of christ and who you are in christ whether you know it or not if i could get you to understand that you would experience something that was truly worth being excited for for the first time in your life that's right holy smokes when you talk about our identity as a son and or daughter of christ you want to talk about something that fires me up man there ain't no amount of You could drop a billion dollars in gold right here in front of me and say that, sh- I, that don't hold a candle to what you're talking about. That's right. Yep. Get this through your head, man.
1: <sighs> yeah, and it's, it's we've, we've got to get away from um, people's belief systems that love comes from something that I've done, mm-hmm. that it's something that I can achieve. And, and we even we even have these mindsets that, that try to get us to believe that we can change the way he views us based on things we can do for him or through him or even by him. And mm-hmm. the reality is, it's just understanding that he loved you before the foundation of the earth. His love has always been complete. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. He loves you, period. And you can't do anything about it. You can't change it. It doesn't <laughs> matter what you do. He just loves you. Now, his love, his love won't keep you out of hell. His son did that. Yeah. But it says that even in hell, we can't be separated from his love. But like to be with love is the goal. It's it's not to just be loved, but to be with love. So to be with love is to walk with love day in and day out and be loved to the world. Instead of worrying about, I need to figure out how to be loved, I'm going to be love. And so it's a powerful thing to understand that today, because Jesus, Jesus is something really amazing. And I talked about this a little bit on the, the, the other show, Resurrected, was was he said, as the Father sent me, I now send you. And the Father sent him into the world to be the light of the world. So now if he sent the Son to be the light of the world, and then Jesus said, I send you as the Father sent me, well, he gave us the power to be the light of the world. The problem is, is we've covered up our light with so many things of this world and methodologies that even the church has taught. And it's just like the focus is Christ and Christ crucified. And One of the biggest things that we have to realize is that as Christians, we have three power points in our entirety of understanding of Christ that we get to operate from. We have the cross, we have the tomb, and we have the upper room. These are the three points from which we gain power and we operate from power in. And the power we're talking about is, is it's not just miracle signs and wonders. It's not, just, it's not just preaching the gospel. It's love. It's love itself. And so all three of those points give us access not only to that love, but to walk in that love and be that love in front of everyone that we come in front of. And we get to get a different response. And, and they expect us to act and react a certain way based on what most Christians operate like. But we're not called to be like most Christians. We're called to be like Jesus. And if we're like, if we're like most Christians, then we can't be like Jesus because he walked on the face of the earth, and the Pharisees and Sadducees were, were the leaders of the day. They, they would be the modern-day Christians in this time. And he rebukes them and corrects them and brings so many changes and, and gave, gave new direction and, and walked in ways that challenged them. And it's just, it's just phenomenal. And and one of my one of my favorite stories with Jesus is is um he's sitting in a house and, and the house is so crowded that nobody can get in. And these boys, these boys bring their their friend that's very sick on, on a bed, and they're like trying to get in, they can't get in, right? And and so they're like they get this bright idea. And I, I just think they're a bunch of guys like us. We've got a buddy that's sick, we're like, we're getting them him to Jesus. And so we're looking around, we're like, how can we get him in? And like like Chad's over, he's like. Let's tear the roof off. And it's like, all right, let's do it. And so we go up and Jesus, you know, Jesus, like he's sitting in this house and the owner's somewhere in there. And all of a sudden this roof starts getting ripped off and Jesus is like, whoa. <laughs> and he turns and looks at the owner. He's like, this is your house. I don't have insurance, dude. It's not my fault. And they lower him down, right? And, and the scribes are over in the window, it says. And they're writing down everything Jesus is saying. And they, they bring this, this man into the house, and they're expecting Jesus to heal him. Like, we brought him here for healing. And he turns to him, he says, your sins have been forgiven you. And like, for us, it's like, whoa. But like, for them, it would not have been that way. They don't have the gospels. Most of them probably did not even have the Torah or the laws to understand some of the things that's happening. And all they know is like, all we know is they said, this dude's in this house and every dude he's touching is getting healed. We got a buddy that's sick. We got to get him there. And then they, they ripped the roof off to get healing. And Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, okay. And like we came for Healing. Yeah. And then Jesus makes this, like, the, the scribes get so upset, like, who can do this? This is blasphemy. Yeah. And he turns and he addresses it. But he doesn't forget the man that's, that's the paralytic sitting there on the bed that's sick. He, then he turns to him and he says, be healed. Pick up your bed and go home. And so we can so easily just go right past that and just go, whoa, that's an awesome story. But, like, we have to understand what did he need to do? Why didn't he just heal him to begin with? He did something so profound. He said, your sins are forgiving you. Sin is what has separated us from the Father's love. He destroyed sin, so that now they were able to be connected back to the love and actually able to receive full healing and restoration. And I just see so much of that in today's society Is like, we've got to understand that we're not sinners saved by grace. Grace doesn't cover you in your sin. Grace pulls you out of sin. Grace convicts and says, don't do that. You're better than that. You can do more than that. I've called you to be greater than that. Step away from all of that and step into focusing on Christ crucified. If you just, I mean, the Bible says, if my eye becomes single, my whole body becomes pure. There's no sin in purity. We can step away from this stuff. It's it's not, uh, we're all always going to never sin, never make a mistake, never mess up. He's saying he gave you the power to not. He gave you the ability to step away from sin and walk holy as he is holy, to be a representation of Christ on earth now because you're the only version of Jesus that most people's ever going to see. And that's why a lot of people have got distorted you know, versions of Jesus, the church. They don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. And I'm looking at a lot of people that are representing Christ, and I'm like, if that was Christ, I wouldn't want anything to do with it either, yeah. but that's not him. That's not how he operates. That's not what he thinks about you. That's not what he called you to. There's not there's not the frozen chosen. There's not the select few that can do this and nobody else can. He gave it to all. And and it just like we we've got to stop lifting men above God and Mm -hmm. just realize that God gave it to all. Come on. We can be the body of Christ. Like and it's like we we start going to church but never grow up and become her. Like, we've got to grow up in maturity and be the church. And, and you know, there's so many things out there. You know, church is not a building and this and that. And, like, I agree with all of that. But, like, if you can't be her in the building, you're not going to be her out of the building. Mm-hmm. So, like, we've got to figure out how to get our focus so on Christ that as our lens, as our eye becomes single, mm. that our whole body becomes pure. And now we're the embodiment of Christ manifested on the earth now for the world to see that he's the only hope that we have but he's not a hope just to get me through the day. Like it's not about just surviving. I'm not trying to just survive. He said, I'm a more than a conqueror. He said, I'm the head and not the tail, man. I'm, I'm not just trying to get through the day. I don't wake up and go, Jesus, you really need to help me today. Because if not, I'm going to hurt some people. Mm-hmm. No, it's like, Jesus, you better get the devil out of the way because I'm going to love some people today. And ain't nobody going to be able to stop me from the love that I'm bringing and the truth that I'm going to reveal. Because when I, when I become free from me, I'm free from you. And when I'm free from me, Come I can on, tell man. you the complete truth of what Jesus paid the price for and help pull you into that and say, man, look, I understand that like you've been in church for 15, 20 years, you've been taught so many things, but have those things brought freedom? And did you see Jesus do the things that you've been taught? Mm-hmm. See, we, we lost our mind in church and just start consuming everything that's being thrown from the pulpit. And I, I actually taught last night. And one of the things that I said that that, that the Lord just revealed to me just was so powerful is that the power is not in the pulpit, the power is in relationship. And the pulpit has lost its power because most people behind the pulpit have lost the relationship with the people in the congregation. See, because we we, we peel God back all the way to his very, very core, and what you're going to find is relation. He's relational. He wants relationship. He wants intimacy. Mm -hmm. He wants to know you.
0: Man, you just said something that freaking knocked me back, dude. You said, when I'm free from me, I'm free from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Who don't need to hear that this morning? Is anybody watching this? Yeah, we Yeah, we got a couple hundred, 250. Who don't need to hear that, man? Everybody. Brittany, pull that mic on up there right now. Come on now. Pony up on that mic. <laughs> we ain't heard nothing from you yet this morning.
2: Yes sir. Tell me about yourself. <laughs> um, well, I've been walking with this guy for 10 years now. So, 10 years. we just celebrated 10 years yesterday. Come on. And um it's grace really grace of God. <laughs> grace of God for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just been really awesome watching what the Lord's done with him and through him, and it's been so encouraging for me to walk out what he wants me to do, what God wants me to do. Mhm. And to step into this belovedness and this I am loved, and I can be loved, and it's just been so fun. It's been a really fun journey, and um, you know, it's just been cool. So,
0: how did you guys meet?
2: Um, we actually met on like an online site. It's so okay. funny. Like we um, we were not. We were both in sin, and the Lord really just rescued us. And, really? Yeah. It, it. We have a really funny story, but um, it. I, did, I was not saved, and I, I had no, I, like, I was taught a little bit about church and Jesus, but I wasn't raised in church, and whenever, whenever I met him, and we were going to, we, were, we knew this was right, like, we were going to get married, and we were, like, we knew what was going to happen. He's like, yep, we're going to have uh, kids. Our first one's going to be a girl, name's going to be Maisie, and I was like, what? How do you know that? And he's like, well, Jesus told me, and I was like, he can speak to you? He's like, yes, like so confused that I didn't know because I had said, you know, yeah, i had been to church, whatever. We were looking for churches to go to at the time, Mm -hmm. newly together. And that sparked a hunger inside of me to go after God like I'd never seen anybody go after God. And it encouraged me that I have a father in heaven that loves me and he wants me to hear his voice. And then I started to look in the scriptures and it was different. And I'd never really read a Bible. I'd heard little pieces. I I'd joke around all the time. Like I didn't even know the main Bible stories we teach our children. Like the only one I knew about was Noah. Mm-hmm. That was it. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing else. And so people would make, you know, these jokes about different things. I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about because I've never heard that. And I, here I was like 22 years old, didn't know anything. And whenever I learned that, you know, the scripture, my sheep hear my voice, I was like, I want to be a sheep. I want to hear his voice. Because all I've known in the world is just heartache. And just I didn't know who I was. And I didn't know how to be. And so whenever I started to seek out his voice and become his sheep, one of his sheep, like I was just like, you know what, there's hope in life. And I I was in so much depression, so much anxiety. I was suicidal, and it's just, I was like a mess. And so when Jesus pulled me out of that mess and showed me the reality of him, like his reality and his realness, there was no turning back from that
0: point. Yeah, yeah, that's real. Mm-hmm. That's real. You know, I can relate to that, Brittany. Before, Before I accepted Christ as my Savior, who He is, and before I received the Holy Spirit and repented and turned and followed Him, I was also a mess. I also experienced nothing but heartache, depression, pain, misery. That was my, that was literally, if I, I've been thinking back on my life this morning. It's interesting that you said that because I a lot of sometimes I like to go back and remind myself of what it felt like mm-hmm. to wake up in the morning before I knew that I had eternal life with Christ. Before I knew and understood that I had been reconciled back unto the creator of the universe, I like to think back on what it felt like every now and then. <laughs> Waking up in the morning, and it is absolute, it is the absence of hope, it is absolute hopelessness mm-hmm. to think that that was my adult life. Mm-hmm every morning waking up with with with, with zero hope and, and going through this life and trying to make decisions and, and trying to do things based off of my own human logic to try to do things right, but it never panned out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just never panned out. I was just spiraling. I was just spiraling down, and it was snowballing, and eventually it would have absolutely destroyed me. Mm-hmm. I literally think I would not be here today if I would not have been saved by Jesus Christ. I I I'm on like I'm saying this in a literal manner. Mm-hmm. I think I would be dead because of the direction that I was going in the job that I was doing. Mm-hmm. I think I would be dead. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Absolutely. And y'all 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 wonder How we believe in this stuff? I know. I know there's hundreds of you right now listening, saying "How this is just something you made up. How do you act? You don't actually believe in this. Look, when you have something that happens to you that fundamentally changes your entire life, the way you walk around, the way you see things, the way you feel things, the way you act, the way you talk, it fundamentally changes everything about you in one day? Mm-hmm. There ain't nothing else. Right. Can do it. That's right. that's you asking me how I believe. Come on, man. Give me a break,
1: man. And I think I think one of the, the big things, you know, like you was talking hundreds, hundreds are like, this can't be real. And, and you know, largely that's not their fault. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not their fault because we've placed church on a pedestal and called it God. But most churches don't have God in them. Mm-hmm. They're preaching out of the same book that we are but it's like we're reading different Bibles. And the reality is that and people struggle with this, and they go, so you're saying that every church in America is, isn't about God, even though they've got it on, on, on their, their side of their building or on, on the, the sign out by the street or whatever. That's absolutely what I'm saying. Mm. I mean, just you take where we're at. We're in Rome, Georgia, and I say this all the time. If, if every church that was in Rome, Georgia, was truly preaching Christ crucified the way that they're supposed to and actually living out love, then the city of Rome would be different than what it is. And you can take any city in America, any yeah. city in the world. It's the same. It, it, I mean, Jesus. Jesus was one man, in every city that he walked into, he turned it upside down. And the, the point is, is that some of some of the people, these hundreds that we're talking about, they've encountered church, but they've not encountered Christ. Yeah. yeah. And when you encounter him, it changes everything. You take Ro- You take Paul on the road to Damascus. You know, he was Saul. He has an encounter with Christ. And everything in his life changes. I mean, this was a man that was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Like, he, he was on his way up, and he was pulling Christians out of houses and killing them. Like, he had, he had letters to do basically whatever he wanted. And on the road to Damascus, Jesus appears to him and, and says, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord? Mm-hmm. And he tells him, he said, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. And, like, he gets blinded. He tells Ananias, like, he goes and tells Ananias, go, go on Straight Street. There's a man hanging out in a house. His name is Saul of Tarsus, and he's been blinded. I want you to go and lay hands on him and open his eyes. And he goes, wait a minute. This is the same dude that's killing Christians? Like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, no, no. It's not the same dude. He's different now. He's my chosen vessel now. Go, I need you to go. And Ananias is like, Ananias gets it. And so many times we don't get that. Like, we live like... It, you know, well, they're coming to church now, but but they used to be this way. Yeah, and it's like, no, no, no. Like God was like, no, no, no. Yeah, he was that dude, but he's not anymore. Mm-hmm. And he goes and lays hands on him. Scales fall off of something like scales fall off of his eyes, and it says immediately, mm-hmm. immediately he's preaching with boldness in the synagogues. Yeah, yeah. Like he didn't he didn't live in the reality of wait a minute, all these people know I was trying to kill Christians. I walk up in there, they're going to all run from me. That wasn't even a thought in his yep. mind. He was like, no, no, no. Christ has changed my life. this must be talked about. He must be preached, and they're going to see the difference. I don't care what they think about me. If I don't ever stand in front of them and let him be revealed through me, they'll always think that I'm the same. But if I just live him, they're going to see that there's a change
0: yep yeah you you' you're, you're exactly right andrew you you cannot encounter the truth of the gospel. You cannot encounter Christ and not be changed. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be changed for the better, mm-hmm. but you're going to be changed. Mm-hmm. When you're confronted with the message of the gospel, the message about yourself and, and who you are as a fallen human being, who disconnected from your creator by way of your Sin by way of your iniquity, and then you, you you hear the truth of of why Christ came to earth, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And that you need to make a choice. Like you're you're gonna be changed by that one way or the other. Nobody encounters Christ and the gospel of Christ without being changed. I agree with that 100%, man. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now, I want to get into something. I got a question for you guys. Here's one of the, I think, one of the things that people in general, but this is going to apply, to apply most especially to our brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of Christ. People are having trouble, are struggling right now to stay focused on Christ. Like you said, that even me, look, I'll admit it, Andrew, Brittany, I'll admit it. Even I, and I've been walking with, I've been following Christ, I've been saved for 12 years, okay, even I, have days and seasons where I am struggling to keep that singular focus that you talked about just a little bit ago on the cross of Christ, on who Christ is and his gospel. And I get it, man. I get why people are struggling. Because the world, not just our country, Mm -hmm. but the world is in turmoil and it's it's a unique situation for humanity mm-hmm. because yes in the past i'm sure there have been con- there's been conflict going on all around the world all the time but it's unique now because of the exposure that we get to the turmoil, the global connectedness of this world, and we can see and know immediately what's happening any anywhere. Any what what it, we're we're getting bombarded with all of this stuff, all of this turmoil, all of this conflict, all of this uncertainty, all this fear. We're getting bombarded. Human beings have never been in the position that we are in right now as human beings in terms of that. Global connectedness by way of technology, and people are having a really hard time, including me, staying focused on that. <laughs> staying focused, if we want to say, on the cross uh, of of Jesus Christ. And I just got a message this morning. Um, I I posted a video on one of my truck talks. I think it actually came out yesterday, where I I talk about on this video. I say, look, guys. We've lived in America for a long, long time with relative peace and comfort and safety. We think that we're insulated. We think that we're untouchable here in the United States, but something is coming. Something will happen eventually that is going to touch us here and fundamentally change the way that we're able to live our lives, right? And I challenge people to basically consider that. and that was the message, essentially. And so I had, I've had multiple people respond to this, but here's one. A brother in Christ responds, how do I not fear this? In other words, how do I not fear this change that... I mean, it's a reality, it's got, no, no nation exists forever. Something here is going to change, and, and our comfort or our, our, our illusion of, of security and safety is going to be fundamentally changed. Now, whatever that looks like, we could, whatever, you could playbook that 100,000 different ways. How do you not fear this change that's coming? We as Christians are told not to fear, but it's really difficult for me to not fear that. That's what he, that's what he says. And it's interesting to me because I'm able to talk about all the things that are going on in the world, and I'm able to anticipate changes that might happen, whether that's a terrorist attack, a, a civil war, whatever, I'm able to kind of, but that to me, I'm in a place where that's just fun stuff to think about. Like, I don't fear it whatsoever, um, but I don't think a lot of people are in that place So, Andrew, I see what you're doing, man. Brittany, I see what you guys are doing, what you've dedicated your life to. I see your ministry. I see your work. I see what you guys have done right here in my community, and I can have some understanding of the amount of work that it took and focus that it took to do what you're doing. I mean, how do you? stay focused on Christ stay focused on your mission your calling how do you stay focused on your identity as a son of Christ or as a daughter of Christ and and not allow the things the 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 things of this world that are happening to just not only distract you but make you fearful or make you anxious
1: or what does that look like for you, man? <laughs> so I think the, the biggest thing that we that we have to teach and, and, and really the, the words I like to use is is not really teach but redeem. So redeem means to buy back. So there was a point in time in our way of thinking, you know, not us specifically, but as a race to where our focus was Christ. And so what we have to do is redeem our way of thinking and and, and honestly like when we got to be careful when we say like, how, how do we stay focused? Because to me, it's not, it's not a works. It's not like I'm trying to be focused. It just comes natural. I like and, and I think the, the biggest thing that, that we can, that we can kind of teach on this is, and I know there's a lot of broken homes in America, a lot of broken marriages, but there's a lot of solid ones as well. And and a lot of the broken marriages and broken homes comes from this perspective that is a reality um, is that if, if I've got to wake up every day, my wife is here with me, if I've got to wake up every day and when I get out of bed, my focus is how do I, I need to make sure today that I love her. I need to make sure that I do things for her. I need to make sure that I'm thinking of her and I'm trying to work that out. That's all false and it's going to be destroyed. Mm. but if now in my marriage, I don't have to wake up and go, okay, I need to make sure I kiss her before I leave. I need to make sure I hug her five times. I need to make sure that I ask her if she needs anything like, no, it's just natural for me. And so those things are natural because I'm in love. I'm in love with her. You know, a lot of times she'll tell me, she'll say, I love you. I say, I'm in love with you. And like most people get like, I love Jesus, but it's, it's a reward based system and I know that he loves me because of what he did, but like it's not an in-loveness. So we lose focus because we're trying to participate in love mm-hmm. instead of just being in love. And, you know, and even even hitting so mm-hmm. like the, the whole – war in America and, and the, the stuff that's coming and, and, and different things, you know, these are, these are not off our radar. These are things that we feel Holy Spirit's revealed to us and, and things that we're not, we're not preparing for it. It's just like, it's not going to change me. Mm -hmm. It's not going to change the way that I'm going to operate. Um, I think people fear war, not because they're afraid of the explosions, uh, because they're afraid of of death. I think that they fear war because war brings change. Yeah. And it's in the American people and people at large, they don't do well with change. And so we've got to get to the point to where, and and what I mean by change is we've so fixated. And I would say it like this. um, I don't get to live. I don't get to live self. I get to live love. I don't get to focus on me i get to focus on love and so when i get me out of the equation and when you hear people talk and, and a lot of times i'll say you know i'm going to do this and then i'm going to do that and then i'm going to do this and i'm like there's too many eyes in that 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 sentence the the eyes the and the mys have to die mm-hmm. we, we've got to destroy like self self-preservation it's like the bible said if you lose your life you gain it mm-hmm. And so, like, death is not a thing. Change should not be a problem. It's like, and, and, and then I would make this this question to even you all and everyone that's watching, is, is what America has become, is it actually worth fighting for and keeping? Or does some things need to shift and change and let us be restored to our former glory, to where we were one nation under God? Cause we're not a nation under God right now. Mm-hmm. There's believers here. Absolutely. And we're fighting and it's getting darker and people talk about the darkness. Like it's a bad thing. Like I'm excited about the darkness because mm-hmm. as it gets darker, my light shines brighter. And so like, it's not a problem with the dark and, and, and fear. Like, you know, we, you know, like the brother said, you know, the Bible tells us not to fear. He did not give us spirit of fear, peace, love, and a sound mind. And so like, like, it's not just hearing that, but actually believing that. Mm. And so it's a difference in becoming because one of one of the words in, in modern society that I actually don't like much is the word Christian, because we've so redefined that word that like I don't even know what that means because Christian's supposed to mean little Christ or Christ like. Mm-hmm. And so what we go with is like, are you a believer? Mm-hmm. Because miracle, signs, and wonders didn't follow those that were Christians. It follows those that believed. So the Bible is written for the believer. So it gives power to the believer and the power comes to the believer to get the unbeliever to believe. So we have more believers. And so to stay focused, my, my reality is like, I I don't wake up and try to be focused. Um, I just wake up and I am, I just get to be. So it's not about becoming, it's not about a destination. I'm not trying to get to a certain point in time. I don't have a five year or 10 year goal. Like Jesus is my go, following him, obeying him, doing what he asked me to do. And, and and yeah, like in the in the natural sense, like what we've done here in Rome and what Lord the Lord's asked us to do, like in the natural sense, there's been work. But in the spirit, it's just been the same. It's exactly the same as what we do everywhere yeah. that we go. It's just obeying. Lord, what do we do next? And when a problem arises, I don't freak out and lose my mind and go, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Like I'm a son and the father asked me to do this. So I'll go to prayer and I'll say, God, we got a mess here. How are you going to clean it up? How are you going to clean it up? And the reality behind that is not that it's his mess, but I'm his mess. And if I'm his mess, everything that comes out of me, he has a way and he already designed it so that I can, I can find this path to get the best result And so it's like, I'm not, I'm not afraid of change. I'm not afraid of circumstance. I'm not afraid of money. I'm not afraid uh, of health problems. I'm not afraid of anything (laughs) because I fear him. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when I'm in fear of him, I'm in reverence and I'm in awe. It's like, I just come to him and go, this is a mess. What are we going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And he gives me a plan. And then we just execute the plan. Mm. It's like being in the military. There, there's a situation. We got to figure out how we're going to handle this. What's chain of command saying? What, what's, what is the plan? What are we going to do? This is the plan. Execute the plan. No matter the result, it was still the plan. And we live And this right here will destroy fear in some of y'all's lives too. Stop thinking that success is based on your failure or success. Because we live in a reality that we've been taught that this is failure and this is success. But all throughout scripture, we see things that in our natural mind, we'd call failure, but God called it success. He's, he's destroyed cities and said successful. Yeah. He's taken out people groups, said successful. He's destroyed kings that were supposed to be king and re-put new kings in place and said success. And so I, there's a book that I'm writing. I've been writing it for years. I might get it done before I go see Jesus, but who knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's, it's called The Failures That Lead Us to the Feet of Jesus. Because our primary focus is, is how, how does this bring me to the feet of Jesus? How can I figure out how to use this to get me to the feet of Jesus? And all of these things, we're talking about fear and, and, and change and all this stuff. These are like antidotes from the enemy, but that's because we've been deceived on believing the enemy something that he's not. When you read the scriptures, and you can go and study this out, when we read the scriptures, we actually see God change Satan's location, but he never changes his job. Never once does he change his job. He says, you're locked out of heaven forever. You can never come back. You're going to roam to and fro upon the earth. But he never says, and now this will be your new job. So the reality is if he didn't change his job, his job's probably still the same. And if Satan was a cherub and an archangel, an archangel over protecting the earth and overseeing the earth, well, he can't protect it anymore because he's trying to destroy it. But he can only destroy it if we give him the power to. But if he's a cherub, he was a leader of worship of God, not a worship leader, but he helped people better worship God. So now if every time God touches or every time Satan touches me, my response is not to freak out, but to worship God, then I allowed Satan to still do his job. And like, if, if Satan is a liar, which we know him to be, every time he comes and tells me something, it's the opposite of what he's telling me. So now I know the direction to go. Yeah. And so when fear comes and it's like, you need to be afraid of this. It's like, I absolutely don't need to be afraid of this. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a failure. I must be successful. Mm -hmm. You'll never make it. That means I'm going to make it Mm. like, it's just like, I say this quite often and it challenges people, but, but I love challenging people. Satan is one of the best tools that God ever gave us. You just got to know, know how to use the tool. Like when, you, like when he came into the garden, and we, we, we teach this, and I've heard it taught so many years. Well, Satan came into the garden and he stole. He didn't steal anything. He convinced her to give it up. He manipulated her into giving him something that was already hers. And he said this statement. He said, You surely will not die. God knows if you eat this, then you'll be like him. They were already like him. Manipulation. Like, he's holding something back from you. This tree will give you what he's holding back. And it's like, he's a good daddy. He's not holding nothing back from me. And if he's keeping anything from me, it was never supposed to be of me. So why do I want something that he doesn't want to give me? Mm. And so just living in some of those realities and understanding that, like, Jesus is king. Like, there, there is, we're more than conquerors. Like, I cannot let circumstance and situation change who he is. And that's where fear comes from. When we allow change, when we allow circumstance, when we allow our reality to become his or change who he is, mm-hmm. and we live in a belief system that love is based on my circumstance, like, love is not based on my circumstance. Love comes from one point. Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. And we keep center focused on Christ on the cross, Christ crucified, that's love. That's love in its purity. That's in its wholeness. And no matter what's taking place, I can look back at that moment in time and go, it doesn't matter because he loves me. Change doesn't matter because he loves me. Mm-hmm. And if this change is coming, I can either fight against it or I can let it produce growth in me and let me become what God wants me to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't have possibly even
0: even close to have said that better myself i oh, mean not yeah not even close I, I love where you pointed out andrew um mentioning fear and fear of change and circumstance and all this stuff and letting that fear distract you um i love how you talked about the tactics of satan but I also love the point that you said. I fear the Lord, mm-hmm. so like, when 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 that when that's when that's your like, whatever when that's when that's the way that you operate and think. It makes so much sense to me, and how that perspective crushes all these other things when you fear the fear.
3: source of all things you don't yeah. need to fear yeah. the thing yeah. that's coming from the source yeah
1: when it's it's even so so like back into scripture when when they bring the paralytic boy to jesus and they say we, we brought him to your disciples and they could not they could not heal him and jesus turns says wicked and perverse generation how long i'll be with you how long will I? you know and he says all these things and he turns to them and and he says this kind comes out by prayer and fasting And and the reality is what he's saying there, and he talks about the mustard seed. if you had a mustard seed of faith, you could say, did this mountain move from here to there? And it would happen. And so we've got to grasp what he's really saying there. He's not saying that this kind of a demon comes out by prayer and fasting. He's saying this kind of unbelief comes out. And so what is he trying to get us to? He's trying to get us to have faith with no mixture
3: this kind of unbelief of the um of the disciples yeah like that degree of unbelief
1: just unbelief period yeah so any level of unbelief what he's saying is if you had faith the size of a mustard seed he's not saying you need to just have a little faith what he's saying is you need to have faith with no mixture so there can't be unbelief and faith in your life and expect to get faithful results He's saying like why couldn't we get this out there was he was telling them because there's unbelief in your life Mm. we need to get this unbelief out by prayer and fasting what does prayer and fasting do it kills your flesh it destroys your flesh and allows things that are in you to rise up that god wants to kill every time i fast there's something in my life that the lord reveals to me and he's like i still need that Mm -hmm. and i have to deal with giving him that releasing and yielding to that and unbelief is housed in things that doesn't hold the character of christ and so when we get the the character the, the lack of character of Christ out of our life then we can hold the character of Christ and we walk in faith and even the size of mustard seed faith if it's with no mixture no mm-hmm. no and 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 the point is 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 so like if I have a bunch of M&Ms, right? And I've got all these M&Ms and I will tell Chad, "Hey Chad, you can have all these M&Ms." And I give him all my M&Ms. And then you tell me, "You want an m M&M. and I can't give you an m M&M. and I already gave them all to Chad. So now we take that and we relate it. If all of my fear is to the Lord, and then something else comes that wants my fear, yeah, I can't give it to you. Yeah, man. I've already given it to the Lord. If all of my love is unto the Lord, and then you want love, like I can't give it to you because I've already given it all to him. And through him, I get to love you the way that he loves you, not the way that I love you. And so like it's, it's not I need to figure out how I can better love people. I need to figure out how better to understand the Father loves me so that I can love them with the love that he's loved me with. That's what Jesus said. He said, I love you with the same love that the Father loved me with. And then he said, walk as I walk. So we should probably be loving people not with our love but with the love of the Father yeah, and figuring man. out how to fully receive that with no mixture, living in that reality. And I'm just telling you, like, full acceptance of Christ destroys all rejection. So if I understand that I'm fully accepted by Christ, you can't reject me because he's already, f- already fully accepted <laughs> that's that's me. So now you can walk in and say whatever you want. I'm unfazed. I'm not wavered. I'm not a jerk. It's just like, bro, I love you. Yeah, yeah. And it's that's like, what powerful, do you mean? I, I don't accept you. It's not about your acceptance of me. It's yeah, about his acceptance get, of you.
3: You don't get to accept me or reject <laughs> no, me. That's right. That yeah. is
0: powerful, man.
3: There's, I am loved.
0: Man, there's so much. There's so much freedom in that man I mean freedom from I mean well any circumstance that's powerful
3: and I you know I I there's things that I need to clean up in my own life like there's things minor things that collectively add up and distract me but I feel that like I, I have that mindset a lot of times but and i want that for other people and it gets frustrating trying to i mean all you i guess all you can do is share it but you only get that through revelation of the holy spirit like he has to show that to you but it gets it can be so frustrating to try to it's like man do you not get this like there's so much freedom in this there's so much power in this and they're like yeah how do you do it and you're like (laughs) well, they, here's the answer. But they're like, oh, well, that doesn't really, that didn't register with me. Well, we gotta, and, we got
1: to do what Jesus did. Um, you know, I, one of the things that I just felt when, when you started talking was that God has such compassion to you, but God wants to have compassion to you so he can get compassion through you. Mm-hmm. So the whole point is to get it in you so that it can come through you. It's not just for you. It's for you to manifest. Yeah. And so, like, Christ didn't say, here's the message, now leave me alone. He said, here's the message, come and see. So he lived it out. And and like to to us and, and y'all know our ministry um you know somewhat, but like the way that we live our life is discipleship, because he said, go forth and make disciples. And for so long, so many leaders in the body of Christ have said, I'll disciple you here, but this spot's off limit. We have no off limits because you need to see me in all areas and all facets in order to fully walk this thing out. So it's not just delivering a message, but being that message, we yeah. can preach it and we can teach it, but then we get permission to walk with us, come and see how we actually operate in this thing. Yeah, Because people, people can learn things by reading it, but we don't want this to be head knowledge we want this to become their life yeah and so it only becomes their life by watching it be modeled mm-hmm. and christ was our model so we get to watch and it becomes more real because the word is alive it's not just a book that we read but like it's a living breathing thing mm-hmm. and when we watch the way he handles people we continue to go back and it's like man i'm, I'm, I'm struggling because there are days where i'm like dude like this this person is like whoa <laughs> like god i need to know how to better handle them and so i go back and i look up areas where Jesus handled difficult people like Judas, like for one, like I just go like he's stealing from him the whole time. And Jesus is like, love, 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 yeah. love, never rejects him. Doesn't, doesn't say, Hey, I'm going to wash all y'all's feet. But Judas, you stand over in the corner. I'm not touching you. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, I'm washing your feet too. And then he says, now go and do what you must do. And it's just like, let's just be that. Let's just be that. Like yeah. who, who cares who they are and what they're doing? That's not what they're called to be. That's not their creative value. And when I understand that he loves me, I get to look at you and understand that he loves you. But I could have never seen that if I hadn't received love. That's why, you know, we say it starts with you. Yeah. Beloved identity starts with you. And it's, you know, the saying, and I've preached this and I'm sure y'all've joked about it too, but like, love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm like, I don't know if I want you to love me the way you love you. Yeah. Like, let's figure out how to better get you to love you Mm -hmm. and get love to flow through you and not be in pursuit and need of love mm-hmm. because that's religion. Like I'm in need of love. I need you to accept me. I need to make friends. I need, I need, I need, I don't need because I'm already loved. Mm-hmm. So now I get to be love. And if you don't like what I'm bringing, like that's awesome, bro. I still love you. I'll still help you. I'll still be here, but it doesn't mean we're going to be best friends around together. He never said, go forth and make friends.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh- I have to I have to uh point out to the listeners I, I have a I have a I see a lot of I, I get a feel for where people are at, right? I, I, I'm I'm blessed to be in this position where we can post something and then we receive tens of thousands of comments. So we get to see a feel, just it gives you a good idea of like where the general public is at just in their thinking, right? And a lot of people see it, but they don't know the solution to it. A lot of people see the reason why we are faced with so many of the problems that we're faced with right now as a nation is because people don't trust each other. People can't tr- People won't come together on on anything. They don't trust each other. <clears throat> Everybody wants to be their own little one man island. Uh, it, and I see it. People are caught. What what? We just we just won't we won't come together in order to create a solution to the problem that we're having, and that's why nothing ever gets solved. Mm-hmm. I want you to understand. What Andrew, I want you to understand what Andrew is talking about right here right here would I was about to say yield, that's why I got here messed up. <laughs> what Andrew is talking about right here would yield the solution that you're seeking. Would, would yield the result that we need in order to overcome and conquer the things that we're faced with in our community in our country, and ultimately the world. Yeah. This ideal, this teaching, this truth would yield the result that we need to conquer anything as the body of Christ here on earth, in our community, in our country, across the face of the world. You are literally just—you are describing... Christ's design for how we should operate and interact with one another. Yeah. And this would 100% yield the result that all of you are so confounded about. <laughs> You're so how how do we overcome this? What is the solution? What is the action? What's the action step? How do we tear down this division? How do we come together? How do we move forward, and able to, in, and, in, a, 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 with strength and courage and unity? This is it. You want an action? Hold up, man! You want an action? All of y'all saying all the time. Well, you all, all you do is rant and rave about this and that, and you don't ever give us anything that that we look. You want, you want to, you want something that you can go. And think about and put into practice immediately. This is it. You don't want to do it, though, because it ain't what you wanted to hear, is it? It ain't what they wanted to hear, Andrew.
1: Well, and that's... Why don't
0: you just tell them what they <laughs> want to hear, man? No, go buy more ammo. Go buy more guns. Go buy more uh, stock up on food, right?
1: Yeah, it's... it's... You know, even even back to the comment of the brother that sent in the thing, you know, how do I deal with this fear? You know, and, and just even simplify everything that I've said, like just to put it in like maybe two sentences and, and it might even be just one. It's how do we deal with fear deal with fear? The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. Mm-hmm. The only perfect love that we know of is the love that comes directly from the Father. So where's he trying to get it to? You. Why is he trying to get it to you? So you can be the love of the world. You can be the light of the world. And so, like, you have to receive his love and and destroy every thought in your mind that Christ never had about you. Don't even give it permission to breathe and live there. Mm -hmm. Like, they're going to come. But, like, we, we have to replace those thoughts with the truth of what the word of God says about us. And so every time those thoughts come and they try to bring fear, they try to bring whatever, it's perfect love. Receive his love. He loves you. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. He called it the simple gospel. We've made it complicated. We've come up with methods and ideas and ways and strategies. And largely what I've seen, they do not yield good results. Do they get results? They do. They get results. But Jesus had 100%. And and even like on healing and and deliverance and, and all of these things, like we have all these methods and like people pray these big, long outlandish prayers to try to get people healed and to try to get people set free. And Jesus said, be healed, come out. Like if that's what he used, it's probably sufficient, but the purpose behind wasn't the words that he said, but the relationship that he held with the father. And so to get that love, it's relational. Be with him just to be with him. Stop using your prayer time to tell God all your problems, to give him your grocery list of things, to talk about your family. Like, just be with him. Like, there's time for, like, most of our prayer lives are lived around one center base that is talked about in the Bible, prayer and supplication. So yeah, there's time where we, where we list out things we want God to do and, and we need help with and pray for Aunt Susie and, and all of these things. And that's great, but that's not your intimate time with him. You've got to have that intimate time of just being with him. And being with him changes everything. Mm-hmm. Being with him is how you receive his love. And, like, you're just going to have moments where you're just with him in the in the prayer closet or in, in your car or at your office or, or on the toilet. And, like, he's just going to swoop in. He's just going to go, Chad, I love you. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to go, ah! And you're just going to lose it. <laughs> and, like, people in the, in the bathroom will be like, what's happening to that guy? <laughs> Mm -hmm. is it's jesus yeah it's intimacy and it's relationship that
3: registers a lot with me because i i'm always wanting to do something like i'm always feel like i can't just sit still like i there's something that needs to be done and i need to do it but uh when i'm driving i know i can't do anything else and so i used to drive for work a lot and that was the time that my mind would just begin to wander. And, you know, I would start my day reading and, you know, prayer and supplication, as you were calling it. And then as I would drive, that's what my mind would be on. And that, you know, I didn't consider that time prayer, but that was just time with, with God. But that's where that's where the deepest thoughts came, the ideas came, the, the love. Just like you said, like, you know, I might just, I try to just keep, just some sort of good music on. I like music, but sometimes it's just quiet, but I might just have song playing in the background. It's Christian music and and it'll just hit me like, and I'll just be in tears for no reason. But, Mm -hmm. but I recognize that that's the Holy spirit just reminding me of like, that's God saying, Hey, I love you. And it, You know, there's oftentimes no big revelation like go do this or go but it's just a reminder like
1: that's the biggest revelation. Yeah. Well
3: yeah. But but not specific as in (laughs) people think, like go do this one task, you know, like but yeah, you're right, it is. And that's all you need to know. And a story I always go back to is in Job where he had all the questions for God, like, you know, hundreds of questions. And when he encounters God, he doesn't ask any of them. He's just reminded of how big God is. And he says, oh, let me shut my mouth because I had forgotten how big you were, God. And I had all these questions for you. But now I have this revelation of how big you are. I'm not going to ask any other questions. And so all he needed was a revelation of how big God is. And and that's what I get when I have that quiet time. But I need to be more disciplined and putting off the things that need to be done, and not just when I'm driving. Driving forces me to do that, and it's a good spot for me to do that, but I haven't become disciplined enough that I could come sit in this office with the ability to work, to call, text, do anything on my phone, but instead use that time for God. I just, I mean, I, I haven't, but I can drive and do it, um, so that's a that's a place I need to get to, but I just share all that to say that's a hundred percent true, and it relates to me in you know in that example.
1: Yeah, there's a quote that comes to mind. I can't remember who said it, but it was a a giant in the faith, lover of Jesus, and and he said, "I have I have so much to get done today that I simply cannot bear to even start without first spending an hour with the Lord."
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. All right. All right, we're going to take a quick break. YouTube, you're going to have to give us three to five minutes to take a break. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk about it, whatever it looks like and however we want to talk about. I want to talk about the reality of the enemy, the reality of the struggle, and and me in in meaning there is a. There is a opposing force that exists. Sure. Okay. I just want to. I just want to hit that when we come back. And um, if you guys have any specific examples of of, of seeing that manifest, or it, may, or or you, or any any opposition that you've experienced in your own life, or or, or however we want it to look, I want to talk about it because I think it's something that we lose sight of. I think it's something that we lose sight of. And obviously, I'm a tactician. I spent 12 years in the military. And part of tactics is knowing your enemy. If you choose to not recognize the fact or you forget the fact that there is a legitimate force that is real, that is opposing the body of Christ here on this earth, you're likely going to become ineffective. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about that in whatever way it looks like when we come back. YouTube, give us three to five minutes. I know you don't like it when we take breaks live <laughs> on, on, uh, on air here, but you know what? This is my podcast, so you can get this over it. This is the Lord's podcast, You can man. get over it. <laughs> Maybe they'll insert an ad roll here. <laughs> so uh did anybody on YouTube get get mad about our break? Oh, uh, somebody asked if we had smoke break. <laughs> smoke break. <laughs> well, usually, when we take breaks, people get on the live and complain about it. Yeah, no, there's still 200 people on here, so they sit around. Oh, okay. And they hung around yeah. then. Okay. Yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. All right. So, um, Andrew, Brittany, I want either one of you guys to join in on your perspective on this. And you know, what brings us up really? It's one of the guys that, um, I guess he works with you guys. Do you guys know a guy named Seth? <laughs> no. Nah, he just lives with him. <laughs> 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 okay. What, what brings this up is Seth's watching too. He, I went yeah. by earlier. And, he said he was going to be watching. It's and is Seth still at the location on broad street.
2: Yeah. They, they hop back and forth. Okay.
0: Cause I don't see him as much down there anymore. He's down there and right now. I miss seeing him, man. He's,
2: Making coffee. Gosh, he's such an
0: amazing dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's such a great dude. And um, every, every time I, I go in in uh, the coffee shop, which is Sharpsicle, that's you guys' coffee shop, your ministry, and, and, and uh, I know a lot of people that watch here and have listened to the podcast. They've been by the shop and checked you. So if you're ever in Rome and you want some good coffee and you want to be around good people and have some more than likely some good conversation. Mm-hmm. You need to go to Sharpsicle right there on Broad Street. You can't miss it. I wish you guys wouldn't have <laughs> took the paintings down off the windows. Didn't somebody take erase the
2: paintings? Holly was painting them. I loved yeah. that, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. Um, but anyways, I was having a conversation with Seth. It's been <laughs> months ago. And uh, this, the reality of... Satan and demons and this opposing force, mm-hmm. I think it's some, obviously something Seth is pretty um, adamant about, which we we all should recognize this. And he was just talking to me about the people that he sees just right there in town that are just, you know, what society would say is out of their mind. Mm -hmm. They're just like talking all this craziness and doing weird things. And just like they, and Seth is like, you know, Hey man, there's a distinct possibility that these people need deliverance. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, he was challenging me and challenging himself in the same conversation. Like, why aren't we doing any, like, why when we walk by someone like this or see someone like this, do we like literally go to the other side of the street because we're whatever. We don't want to be involved. We don't want to act like we don't, maybe this person might kill us or stab us or we don't freaking know, you know what I mean? But Seth is like, why aren't we, you know, why don't. Why why are we avoiding these people who are who need what we have, you know? Um not only that, and also I I you guys, I don't know, my my story involves being in a place that was I I don't know. I don't know. I don't still to this day the only way just to cut to the chase, it was Somehow inhabited by this demonic force, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and seeing seeing that just the name of Christ in in prayer, in a prayer being prayed by a believer in Christ, overcame that thing that we were experiencing. Yeah. Um, Christ, uh, however you want to say it, he called me to him through that. Maybe it's because I I understand the nature of warfare like carnal warfare. Mm-hmm. And so he revealed himself to me through this experience of spiritual warfare and it just clicked with me like really hard. Uh you guys have traveled I know you've traveled all around the world. You guys are involved here uh in in um in your ministry with what what do you want to call it the, the 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 most the most broken people that you can possibly find i mean what what i mean what i don't know how you how you say it but like i can only imagine in in just doing what you guys do that satan or the enemy, this opposing force, evil, whatever you want to call it, has got to be front and center or has been front and center. Do you guys even believe this? Yes. Okay. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
2: Okay,
0: I'm good because a lot of times when I talk about this stuff, even Christians will avoid the conversation. Why are we
1: avoiding this conversation? Yeah, I mean, we've I've cast demons out in that shop. I've laid hands on people in the shop and, and had people bring people in that are their loved ones and say, they've got a demon. We need you to do something about it. And and I've laid hands on people in the coffee shop mm-hmm. and watched people get free. Um, every Saturday night we have service and every Wednesday night. And it's pretty much every week that we're casting a demon out of somebody mm-hmm. and watching them get free. And... The, the church that we planted here, which we didn't even plan on. And I, I still hate the word church. We just like to call it a gathering. Yeah. Um, But it's not because it's not a church. It's just a biblical version of the church, not what everybody else calls church. Mm-hmm. And the church, the work is growing largely by people that were possessed, that were okay. restricted and they're getting set free. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, we need milk. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, at one point, we need food, we need meat, and so we're just taking it's 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 we're just walking them through the gospel and what it looks like to be free. And um, I don't believe that deliverance ministry exists. I believe that all ministry is a love ministry. Um, people that just focus on demons, you've lost your your pinpoint, which is supposed to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, demons demons are easy to deal with. They're not something that's hard to deal with it's not something that i fear it's not something that i worry about there are different rankings there's different structure the kingdom of heaven is very structured satan learned everything that he knows from the kingdom of heaven so hell now is very structured Mm -hmm. and so there's rankings and there are different level demons but the blood of jesus cast out all of them it's the same blood it doesn't take more of it it doesn't take less of it for lesser ones it's the same and just preaching the gospels enough. Mm-hmm. And walking in love. And and I mean, I've I've cast demons out in, in almost every service that I've probably ever preached in all over the world. And the the whole point is we don't focus on the demon. Mm-hmm. We focus on the person. Because the demon's not the not the issue. It's the person's freedom that's the issue. We need to get them free. And so when we encounter these things, the first thing we always do is we make the demon shut up. It has no reason to talk. It has nothing to say. I don't need to hear from you. I ask for the person to come forth. If we know their name, we say, "I want to talk to so and so." Sometimes it takes a little bit more time. Then the person will come forth. Do do you want to be free? Sometimes they don't. We can't cast out. We can we can cast out demons out of people that don't want to be free. But the Bible very much just says that's a bad deal. Don't do that. They're going to want to be free. And so when they say, yes, I want to be free, go be free. And most of the time it doesn't take any yelling or an exaggerated thing. It's just the command from relationship with love that births the freedom in them. But that's not even the deliverance that's getting the demon out Mm -hmm. to me. Deliverance ministry only starts once they're free Mm -hmm. because now I got to retrain the brain with the word. Because the whole time they've been possessed or oppressed, they've been made to think certain ways, and now I've got to rewire the brain with the Word to teach them to think the way the Word speaks. Mm. That's where deliverance actually takes place. And the only way you do that, I I say this all the time, deliverance is discipleship. And I've said this so many times in so many meetings, is most of you all in the room are possessed by a spirit of religion, and you need to get free. And so like, yeah, demons are very real. The demonic's very real. Satan himself is very real. He's not the, he, he's, he's not a declawed kitty cat, but he's not big and bad what we make him out to be. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's an understanding that like he, he's a real deal. He does not have any power, any authority that he has maintained from his previous position, but he's in yours by getting you to have fear. Mm-hmm. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. Why is he doing that? Because he has no power. He has no authority. But you do. And if he can convince you to give yours up to him by making you afraid, he can now operate in yours. Mm -hmm. We must
0: look at everything that's happening through that lens. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting, man, because... This is the source, really, uh, for a lot of people. This is the source of their confusion. They're not looking at things through this lens of 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 reality that there that there are that there are spiritual forces at play, both good and evil. They don't understand. That first of all, they don't believe that. They forget about that, and then. Even a lot of times they're, they're too afraid or too lazy to even try to understand it, right? Beyond what they see on a Hollywood movie, you know? And so there are so many of us right now that are just confused and confounded when it comes to, especially when it comes to evil. There are so many people that think, how can someone do such a wicked thing? Like, you, you can even, you can take the most current thing that's happening right now. Hamas coming over the border of Israel on paragliders and shooting up a, Concert or or what you know? There's all, there's all these, there, and it, dude. It's it's on all. It's it's all over the place. Just these atrocities. You don't even have to go to an example overseas. Look at the things that happen in our own cities. Look at the look at the acts that are committed against people. Uh, just the horrific nature of evil that we see, and people are so confused. They're like, how on earth is How on earth is a human being capable of doing something like this to another human being? Or how on earth are things panning out the way that they're panning out? It's almost like it's orchestrated, but it can't be orchestrated. And we're all confused, man. I think um,
3: a lot of times people think that there's this gray area too. like They don't believe that things are either right or wrong good or evil they think there's like an in between like a gray that oh well this is you know this maybe is just a product of my thoughts it's not or or how i feel it's not actually evil or good like i might see a little bit wrong with it but there's a little bit good like we were talking earlier like you know it is maybe a truth but not the truth and and that you know i mean that's really that is that's a problem because you have to you have to recognize things from where they're coming from. And I would ask you, like, in your experience with, you know, the whole demon things and, and dealing with that, uh, I think when people hear that, a lot of times they're viewing these theatrical uh, exorcism videos that they've seen. And I've not had much experience dealing with demons. I just haven't. And, you know, you having so... I gotta imagine that's not the case, right? I mean, so
1: the the reality is is that most of what you see on TV is fake. Oh well, yeah. I mean, even on YouTube, and 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 sadly, even in a lot of ministries, and and the the biggest thing that we have to realize is that <clears throat> Satan never once allowed attention to be drawn to a demon. I mean, he's he's talking with the the paralytic the paralytic boy that throws himself into the fire and the water in one of the gospels and he's talking to the father, he's having a conversation. He's not worried about the child. He's talking to the father because he's not just wanting to restore the the child, but he's also wanting to restore the father because the father's walking in fear and he's concerned and all these things. And Jesus is focusing focusing everything on the father. And then a crowd starts to come and and you can read this. And and all of a sudden when he sees the crowd starting to come, he turns and rebukes the demon and the little boy gets free because he doesn't want any attention drawn to the demon. The demon starts to manifest. The boy starts foaming at the mouth. It's attention. So that's what they're after. They're after attention. And I I challenge deliverance ministers with this all the time. Um, Like you're having a a conference that's labeled deliverance. Why would demons show up at your conference? Yeah. Like you're telling them, if you come here, we're going to kick you out of your host. They're not coming. They they don't want you to kick them out. Either that or you have no power to do so and they already know it. So they're coming just to make you look foolish. Mm-hmm. And so it's and people don't like that, but like that's the reality is like Jesus never allowed tension to be drawn to the demons. He got rid of them mm-hmm. quickly. He got rid of them quickly because the focus and and even, you know, back to like war. So like even going to war, like in the natural sense we could go back like early in our history. And and when it was more correct, our main focus with all war was people. We're, We're not going to fight bad guys, we're going to liberate people, people that are under rule that they don't need to be under, they're being killed for stupid reasons that make no sense, we've got to step in and do something. It was always about people. Now we know in some of the modern wars, it's became more about oil and different things and power and money. And that's incorrect. So when we think about the enemy, like we're not going to war to fight the enemy. We're going to war to liberate people. Mm-hmm. It's always about the people. The Man. focus is the people that yeah. need to be set free, <laughs> that don't know they're in bondage. Mm-hmm. Because even, even like we take Afghanistan, and a lot of those people that were doing things, they didn't understand what they were under and how they were operating. Yeah. They didn't understand that they're working for the bad guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when they start to actually realize that, it's like, help us. And so, like, it's, it's really just letting them know, like, your way of thinking is not what the gospel preaches. And once you get them to realize, like, this is what the word of God says, this is, we're even talking about religion now, like, because we can be under religion in such a way that what we've been taught our whole life seems right, and then when we start actually reading the word, like, things start to shift and change. It's, it's even as simple as, like, the, the story of, um, of Moses, Right, So Moses, we we know this story, he ends up in Pharaoh's house. But as a kid, I heard it taught so many times that, that Moses was placed in a basket and he floated down the sea. And as he floated by, Pharaoh's daughter seen him. Well, when you read the Bible, it actually says she took him and placed him in the reeds. He wasn't floating anywhere. And some people go, well, that's not very significant. It's very significant because it's changing the word of God. It's like saying that the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil was an apple. Never says that. Yeah. Like you can assume what you want, but we can't add to or change the word of God.
3: Yep. Down like, to the smallest detail. Down to the
1: smallest detail. It is what it is, and it's written that way. And so we have to just step back and realize, okay, there's demons. They're possessing people. They're upon people. And there's a difference between a possession and an oppression. A possession's inside and oppression is upon. And and I, I love to teach this because people get so caught up in this, but what you don't understand is everything that hell has is a manipulated version of what heaven has. So we have the spirit within and we have the spirit upon. The spirit within is supposed to possess you. You're supposed to be possessed by this thing, operating as the Father wills, not as you will. That's the purpose of the possession. I agree. But then the, the, uh, the up-onness that comes could be for a specific purpose in a specific time. You might do something you've never done before, speak a way you never spoke before, and never be able to do it again. That's the Spirit coming up on for a particular reason, and it's going to be people. All the gifts that we have, all the offices that we have that are listed out throughout Scripture, they're all for people. They're all to bring people to Him. So all gifts, all offices are for Him to bring people to Him. And so it, it's all about the people. And so like we don't need to be scared of people being demon-possessed to the point to where we just ignore that it's real. We need to realize that it's real and go, it's not about the demons. It's about the people that are possessed by the demon. Yep. We need to figure out if they want to get free. If they do, we need to liberate them. Because the last thing you want to be doing is storming a city full of people that don't want to be free and, and are siding with the enemy. They're going to kill you. So you find out, do you want to be free? Yes, I do. Let's go to war. let's go to war, and the most beautiful thing about the gospel is he fights our battles. Mm-hmm. We believe in him. He fights our battles.
0: It's a whole perspective shift right there, man and i I think the the scripture that you know you you kind of alluded to uh earlier. Andrew, is one that is, is is, I think, fairly well known. And it's Ephesians 6.12. I have it right here. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers or against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Not people. Against <laughs> spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. So we we have to as the body of Christ we have to interpret the things that are happening in the world in our community in our nation and even down to the individual mm-hmm. we have to interpret the things that we see without forgetting this truth that's revealed to us in scripture Mm -hmm. because if we forget this and we try to look at the things that are happening through any other perspective and we try to leave this out it will only lead us to banging our head against the wall trying to figure out why the things are happening that are happening it's just really important guys Mm -hmm. you know i think confusion is one of one of the major tools. I, I, I mean, it, it's it, and it's so prevalent right now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, there are a lot of there are a lot of things we could talk about. We could talk about shame. We could talk about all you know all these other big ones. But the one that really stands out to me right now, that's being wielded by these spiritual hosts of wickedness, um, these rulers of the darkness of this world. The one that's really being wielded right now is this spirit of confusion people are just so confused man and i just it, it's because we've we we've lost god's we've lost pers- the perspective that scripture gives us Yeah, you know we just have ignored a piece of it
1: well we don't we don't have permission to be confused mm-hmm. god never gave us permission to be confused mm-hmm if you're confused and, and people don't like this, but it is what it is. Like if you're confused, you're under, you're under demonic influence. Now, demonic influence doesn't mean you're possessed. It doesn't mean there's an up onness. It Come just on. means you're listening to the whispering right. liars. Yes. And because it says in the word that God is not the author of confusion. Mm-hmm. So if he's not the author of it, who is Satan? Mm-hmm. Satan's the author. So if you're in confusion, then you're yielding to the author of confusion. It's what Jesus said. He said, your father's the father of lies. Mm-hmm. So what he was saying, he wasn't saying they're evil. He's saying you're partnering with someone that I've come to set you free from. So you have to unpartner from that. And that's what I said earlier is you cannot afford to have a single thought in your mind that Christ doesn't have about you. Like we can't live in those thought patterns. And the Mm -hmm. moment you find one off, you can't get like upset and lose your mind and and think, why am I thinking this? No, just stop thinking it. Replace it with the truth of the word. Find the scripture that totally debunks that thought and start replacing that thought with that. It's called continually washing your mind with the word. Mm -hmm. So, like, let me just be clear, what's Paul saying? He said, brainwash yourself. Mm -hmm. You need to be brainwashed with the word. Yeah. And so, like, that's the reality. And people, people want their freedom more than they want to be free. Mm. You cannot want your freedom more than you want to be free. And when I say your freedom, what I mean is your way of thinking, your opinions, what you think is right. The Bible clearly said that the way that seems right to a man brought about the fall of man. Mm-hmm. It's not about what you think is right. It's about the what the Word of God says yep. is right. Not what you interpret it, not what your pastor said, not what you think you know. It's what the Word of God said. Yep. And so every time, like every time you're in a service, like, yes, submit to your leadership and go to churches and be a part of congregations and do not forsake the sacred assembly. But you have full command to challenge everything that's being taught with you. How are you going to challenge with, with your own thoughts? No, with the word of God. What does it say? What does it really say? And when you find that something's off, go to that individual. And say, hey, man, last last week you said this and, and and I'm not coming to tell you that you're wrong. I'm coming to learn. Always come with that humility. Teach me. Teach me. I don't know why you said it that way. Yeah. The word of God, I looked it up, it says this. And that brought confusion. Mm -hmm. And I don't want confusion. I'm not going to partner with confusion. So teach me. Mm -hmm. You know what that does? It builds relationship. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And that's what we don't have a lot in the body of Christ is permission just to come up to each other and go, bro, why'd you say that? Mm -hmm. I, I, I looked up you know, the scripture that you gave and what you were alluding to. And the Bible says this, but you said this, I can't merge it together. Help me not be confused. And when we bring, when we start doing that, it's like we got, we got in the garden, right? Right in Genesis. It says that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. And then they eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they know they're naked. So he's walking with God, but naked has no clue that he's naked during this time early. And so when you look at that through a prophetic lens what is he saying he's saying we need to walk with god and one another because eve's there too in full vulnerability nothing hidden Mm -hmm. and when you walk in full vulnerability with nothing hidden stop worrying about who's going to hurt me who's going to get me what are they going to do like bro i'm so free from that like you can't do anything to me i'm going to be vulnerable with you well you got to learn to trust people No, you trust the people that god said to trust Mm -hmm. you don't walk out trust you just obey what he has said and we got to walk with each other and just be vulnerable in this thing. It destroys confusion. Confusion yeah. is there because we're not vulnerable with one another because we're trying to protect ourselves. Yep. So that means we don't believe that he'll protect us. Yeah. Yep. We've yeah. got to believe that he is what he said that he is. He's going to do what he said he'll do, and we have to operate according to his word the way he said we need to operate. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to destroy everything the enemy's trying to do.
0: Dude, you have no idea how much I needed to hear everything you're saying today. It's – I don't know, man. It's just unbelievable. What I like,
3: Andrew, about a lot of the stuff that both of you say is that much of the stuff that – we hear today
0: it's practical it's applicable that's yeah. what i like about it, it well and it's, it's getting
3: and it, to the to the root so it's not like talking about shame or confuse it is talking about those things but those are symptoms of the root problem yeah. of not freeing yourself of yourself as you said earlier and you do that and all the other things that you want uh, with clarity and peace and hope all that's just a byproduct of that one beginning step and it, but people want the, people want the result without actually going to the source for the initial thing they want to be clear they they want the peace they want all of those things and that's what's preached a lot of times in today's churches, it, they talk about the problems that people are having and do this and you solve this. This is how you live this out. But they leave out. the. It's like you've got a headache because you've got a brain tumor. So you're taking Advil. Mm-hmm. You're treating the symptom, but you've got a big brain tumor that needs to be fixed. And so that's what stands out to me and, and what seems unique about the, the things that you, that both of you say and, and talk about. So I don't. Yes,
1: it, says, it says in the word that these signs follow them that believe. Mm-hmm. So my pursuit is not the signs. I'm a believer, and the signs pursue me. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a believer, and those signs pursue me, then there's probably signs that follow unbelievers: shame, condemnation, guilt, confusion. So it's it's in in people that are listening, because you know we can't just get caught up in just us four in this room. Like it's the people right. that are listening to the reason that we're here. Like don't hear this and think condemnation. Because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And you say, well, that was condemning. I can't condemn you. You have to choose to be condemned. I can't offend you. You have to choose to be offended. Like the truth will set you free, but you can be offended by the truth and never get free. So like you have to realize, I'm not saying that you don't have hope. I'm saying that there is hope. I'm saying that you can do this. I'm not saying that you're less than. I'm saying that you can be just like us. You can be just like Jesus. You can walk this thing out and you don't have to live that way. But the first step of doing that is recognizing the problems within you and not getting condemned that there's a problem, but realizing I need to make some changes. Mm -hmm. If confusion and doubt and shame and guilt are my signs, I've got unbelief in areas, Mm -hmm. and I need to fix that and become a believer in those areas so I'll get the other signs.
0: Yeah. Amen to that, brother. I want to read this verse one more time just because I kind of messed it up earlier. Ephesians 6 verse 12 for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places i want to um make a transition now and i want to hear the story of you guys what you guys have been called to do i want to hear the story of of your of the ministry that you guys are shepherding right now and uh I want to hear how it came about and and what it what's actually going on because I haven't heard it from well I haven't heard the the whole story ever and I'm very interested so either one of you guys
1: can yeah don't don't think we actually have time for the whole story it's that'd be that'd be a long (laughs) one but you know I think I think the biggest thing is is how did how did we get to Rome and 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 what we're doing um we started off in east texas is where i'll start the story and um, there was someone that we had met that was really drawn to be um, led by me um, to to come under my covering if you will and and for me just to kind of shepherd her Um, we don't we don't believe that we're pastors Um, by no means i would make a horrible pastor Um, but the lord is helping me raise up pastors um that believe what we're teaching and that are living this out. And so and so she came and she became a part of our work. And and we it was the first one that ever came. And and the Lord just had given me a word that that I needed to give her permission to come or she was going to spiritually die. And so I just kind of called her and, and just talked with her about that. And she just confirmed that's exactly where I'm at. That's exactly what I'm feeling. And I said, okay, then just come. Come and see, basically. And so she comes and she just starts being with us. She moves into, we had a a two bedroom trailer. Um, The carpet was halfway ripped up out of it. There was no appliances in the trailer. Um, We were bouncing from place to place, just following what God had told us to do. Barely had money to feed our kids, let alone ourself. Um, And and the Lord's saying, bring somebody else in. And it's like another mouth, but like, I didn't even think of it that way. I was like, she needs help. We're going to help her. And so she came and she just said, I feel like the Lord wants me to help y'all just kind of take care of your kids. This is Megan that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So Megan was the first one that ever came. And so she just started sitting with her kids and then, and just throughout God speaking to us. And we moved several times to help other ministries. And and we call this our training, our training season. Mm -hmm. So where we wasn't trying to really lead anyone, we were just submitting to authorities and being led. Because one of the biggest things that the Lord showed me early on is you can never operate in authority. If you're not under authority, mm-hmm. you have to submit under authority to be in authority. Cause we're only allowed to walk in the level of authority that's been given to us by authority above us. And so it's, and it's not just, and, and we can, I'm not going to dive into this too much, but it's not just God is my authority. So I can just be a lone wolf and do whatever I want. That's actually what destroys the work that God's trying to build. It's submitting under men. He's always used men. He'll always use men. Now that's harder these days because there's so many that are just out there and not doing things right and are trying to father people who have never been fathered and there's brokenness and they're fathering brokenness into people. And so it's a whole nother conversation, but like just submitting under great leaders, submitting my life to them, my family to them, doing whatever it is they asked us to do with no complaint, not I'm qualified for so much more. How dare you put me in this position? It was death to self. And so more people begin to come, um, just being drawn by me traveling and preaching or through other people that were already there. And they would come and see what we would do. And the first thing I always do is I open up my prayer life to them. And so I usually would at that time, I was think I was praying at 3am. And I would pray for about two hours, I would pray from three to five. And so they would have to get there at 3am to pray with me. And so they would come and they would pray with me from three to five. And when they would pray with me, they would go, I don't ever want to leave. God has called me here. And so we're just like, well, I don't know what to do. And they're like, couldn't we stay in the house? We're like, sure. I don't know why not. You know, <laughs> let's just let people be around us. Let's do dinners That's together. That's scary, man. That's scary. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in, in honestly, in, in the beginning stages of that, we ended up we ended up in, in Kentucky. Um, and we were, again, we were in a
2: three-bedroom? Three-bedroom, one-bath.
1: Three-bedroom, one-bath. And there's five adults mm-hmm. and three kids. In one house. And the Lord had called us to just let people be with us. And so, like, I'm, I'm foot. yeah, it's 1100 Where's square it? foot. And so, I'm just <laughs> looking around at this and I'm like, all right, Jesus, this looks weird <laughs> because we're looking like it, it, it's not like I was, I was confused by it or I was uh, like, I can't, I can't believe people were looking at it so weird or anything like that. I'm just like, okay, I know they're going to. So, God, <laughs> you mm-hmm. got to show me in scripture where this is. And then he just starts to show me he said he said where do my disciples sleep i said with you he said where did they go I said, where you went so i'm walking through the scripture and i'm seeing all this thing and then peter sets up in acts chapter 2 a community of people that come together and make sure that nobody has lack and the great thing about community in the way that God, I believe that God actually has designed the body of Christ to live. It's not to say if you got your own house, I think you're wrong. You need to repent and move in with someone. <laughs> I'm saying that I believe that this was the purest form of that. He wanted us to walk together. When you're walking that way, it's full vulnerability all the time. You can't hide. You can't pretend. You can't, go out on a, you can't go out on a Sunday and pretend to be one way in church and then come home on a Tuesday and be different because you've got brothers and sisters around you all the time that when they see there's something off, they just rebuke you because they love you and they said bro that's not right it's it's we just live the lifestyle of peter with the gentiles but he won't eat with them when the disciples come and paul shows up and rebukes him you're going to eat with them when they're not here but you're going to eat with them not eat with them when they are type of thing and it's like this is not right it wasn't paul was mad at him he was saying you're better than this you can do more than this and so just people started coming and i had an encounter with the lord um when we were in kentucky it was almost three years ago now And, and I had a vision. I don't know what y'all think about visions, but I had a vision and um, I seen a candle on one side and a cup of coffee on the other. And the cop, the cup was overflowing and the, the candle was lit and a cloud formed and it was written as God said it to me. He said, be calm, do not delay for I will light the way. Megan and Megan and Brittany were the only ones there and they were standing at the table and I came out of it because it was more, it was more of a trance than it was a vision. My eyes were open, but I was somewhere else and they could tell it. And so, When I came out, they both looked at me, and they said, what did you see? And I said, I don't know, but we're going to open a coffee shop, and I don't know when and I don't know where. Mm. So it's three years ago. We're in Kentucky. We moved to Texas and then to Georgia. Mm -hmm. And we moved to Georgia. We're here for a year, and when we get here, the Lord just says. And at this point, there's four, five, six of them. There's six people in my house. That are not my family like my main family. they're my family mm-hmm. but they're not the family like the way that modern american thinks yeah. and so when when i get there i'm traveling so i'm traveling and preaching five days a week this goes on for two years five days a week i'm traveling i'm preaching in other churches just gone all the time all the time all the time but when i come home like all the team is doing they're working jobs here in rome they all got jobs they're working and so when they're off like all we're doing is praying like, when I come home, like, when I was home for for the three days that I was home or the two days that I was home, like, all I did was pray. I'd just lay on my face in my office or my prayer room that we had set up, and I would just pray. I would just go after God. I would seek God. And I just had this this great desire to just be with him more than ever before. And then one day the Lord, the Lord had already spoke to us to start a business called The Sharp Sickle. And so the sharp Sickle did not start as a coffee shop. It actually started as bracelets that what we call our missionaries. So we don't call the people that are with us anything but missionaries. They're, most of them are all missionaries called to a city that's not their own. And so most of these people that are with us are not from Rome. We have a few since being here that the Lord has called us to help and to help along, that they've moved into the house and been a part of what we're doing now, and they just really needed help. And the only way to help them is just to draw them in and just let them be close because otherwise they're not going to make it. They're going to end up in religion and falling short and feeling like they got left out, left behind, not loved, and they'll never make it. And and so the Lord said to, to Brittany, I think it was, that to start making bracelets and put common phrases on it like Jesus, love, different things. And they, the team would make these bracelets up and we called it the sharp sickle. And and I would go and and I would preach at a church and they would have a table and they would say, do you have any product that you want to sell? And I'm like, well, not really. But, and then we had these bracelets. I was like, I got a handful of bracelets, like 300, you know, throw them on a table, six bucks a piece. They were selling out. So I'm able to take this money back home and give it to the team so that they have more money to stay on the mission field for Rome. Even though all we're doing right now is praying. We're praying and going out and witnessing to people. That's all we're doing. And so one day I'm, I'm spending time with the Lord. Um, he had already spoke to me. I felt like that he had spoke to me that my traveling was about to cut down, and he was actually telling me to cut it down. And so I started saying no to things. I'm not going to travel. I'm not going to travel. And it didn't make any sense to me. I just knew what God was saying. What God says to us doesn't always have to make sense. We just need to obey what he's saying. And so I started saying no to things, travel pretty much cut down, like completely not preaching or traveling anywhere. I'm just teaching the team that's there. We're doing services in an old barn and we're telling the team, like, if you want to invite people from your work, invite them. You should be witnessing the people where you're at, the people that you've led to Jesus or whatever you've done with them, a relationship you built, let them come. And so people start coming out to our property in a barn. And so we're just having service and we're just worshiping God. I'm teaching a word and that's it. The Lord speaks to me, and he says, it's time to get a building for the sharp sickle. And I've been married for a while, so I know how that works, and I've jerked her all over the place with things that God has spoke to me, and it's worked out, and we've been right, and we've followed God, and God has showed up and showed off. But I've also watched her struggle in it. And so I was smart, and I said, God said, get a building for the sharp sickle. I said, Lord, you need to tell my wife. It's exactly the way that I said it. Two or three days later, she come to me, and she said, the Lord's been speaking to me about the sharp sickle. I said, what'd he say? She said, he said, what are you waiting for? This is my favorite part of the story because her answer, what he said, rebuked me. Get a building. What are you waiting for? And so we go and we look at three buildings. The one at 329 Broad Street was the third building that we looked at. We took the building, um, had no money, no way to open the shop, and God provided we opened, we opened up the shop without taking out any loans um, and opened the coffee shop that you all know today. Mm-hmm. And the team members that are apart that live in the house, the Lord said, this is not your business. This is their business. Make them all partners. Mm-hmm. And so I made all of them partners. And so all of them get to work it freely as they choose and do whatever they want to do and have thoughts and ways we can do things. The only thing that is they have to do because they're partners are not my employees. So I can do this. You have to preach the gospel. You have to love people. Mm-hmm. I want you healing the sick. Mm-hmm. I want you to cast out demons. I want you to lead people to Jesus. I want you to pray for people to feel the Holy Spirit. Every person that walks in, love them well. And so they started doing that. The Lord began to just bless it. More people started coming. We, we were doing, I actually started doing a Bible study on a Wednesday night. This was very in the very early stages. And I don't know if y'all remember the sharp sickle when there was a room. It was a room that was boxed off. I don't know if y'all were coming around there, but there was one room. The main big area where the TV is, that used to be a room. And so we took down all the walls but that room because we needed a place for our kids to be while we were building out the shop because we pretty much built it all out ourselves. And so our kids were in there hanging out, watching TV, doing school, all this stuff while we're building out this shop and sometimes even working it. And we're just taking turns, flip-flopping back into this room to make sure the kids are okay and haven't done anything dumb while we're in there doing what God has asked us to do. And so I start doing Bible studies on Wednesday nights in there. And it was probably three weeks. We did it for three weeks and we outgrew the room. There are people, and I'm preaching exactly what I'm teaching you all right now and the people online, you know, I'm just teaching this and we outgrow the room. And people were down into the hallway during the Bible study. And so I think the room was probably, it was probably about 35 people. And we were folding out into the hallway. And so I'm like, we got to do something. So we take the wall down, gives us a little bit more room. We outgrow the building. So we're running about 70, 75 people in there on a Wednesday night. And I'm just sitting down and just teaching the word, just walking through beloved identity, what it looks like to be a son, how we can, we can not cater to the, to the plans of this world, but cater to his plans for us. And just, just really walking this thing out with people. And so the building next door, um, they had told that it was in litigation. It'd probably be held up for two years because we have been laying hands on the building, believing for it. Not because God had said to put a work in there, a business, but because we didn't want a bar to go in there. Because that's what had been so much. That's honestly was our thinking. Like, we cannot let a bar go in there. The last thing Rome needs is another bar. Mm-hmm. So, we're laying hands on this bar, and it's supposed to be held up in litigation for two years. My realtor calls me and says, Hey, a guy just bought this building next door. Don't know how he did it. He paid cash. And I asked him when he bought it, if he would lease it to you all. And he said he would. So, we put a church in there, we put a work. Seth is a spiritual son of mine that came to be a part of what we're doing from Arizona. Um, and heard about our work through people that was here and my traveling and different things. And the Lord just began to show me that Seth was a pastor. He had a pastor's heart, and he really loved people, and he really loved Rome. And so me and in in my spiritual covering, which is a man up in Pennsylvania that has a large church up there, um, he comes down in his preaching, and we set Seth as the pastor. And so now Seth is the pastor of the church. And, and the Lord sent many other people. And we just assigned an assistant pastor. He's a guy that's local here. His name is Glenn Davis. And, and he just loves Rome has a heart for Rome. So now he's the assistant pastor and Megan's being the worship leader and and God's just putting all this together and, and people are coming. And, And one of the big things we started, so we, we, when we moved to the building, we were doing service on a Sunday and we watched our attendance. We were running like 70 on a Wednesday night. But on a Sunday, when we got a building, it dropped down to like 25. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, we just signed a lease on this big building. (laughs) And the ministry can cover it, but like, this is a lot. And the Lord said, you wasn't a threat until you got a building. People in Rome are very loyal to their churches, even though a lot of the churches are dead and dying. And I'm like, wow, so what do I do? He said, make yourself not a threat. So we said, we're going to do Saturday night service. Because we're not here to take people from churches. Mm-hmm. We're here to empower people to change their churches, Amen. to change the culture. We're not here to build a church. We're here to change culture. Mm-hmm. And so we started on Saturday nights, and we watched it start to pick back up, and people started to come, and other pastors and other leaders. And my heart is that leaders and pastors all over Rome and Floyd County will start to come and get this message and take it back to their church. Mm-hmm. I don't want churches to close. I want churches to change if we get so many of these pastors changing the way that they're living this thing out and the way that they're loving people, we can shift the culture in Rome. We can shift the culture in the United States and actually change the world. Mm-hmm. He said above and beyond what you could ever think or imagine. I'm believing for a world to be changed. Mm-hmm. And I just loved when, when I read that, like when I read above and beyond what you could ever think or imagine, I just read that. And I said, challenge accept it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dream big. God, That's right. we're going to change the world. How can you go bigger than that? And he's like, watch, And so that's, that's kind of where we got, where we are and and the people that are, that are living with us and being discipled and raised up. And, and, you know, every one of them has their own unique story about how that, that I met them and and what God did for them through me or her and, and shift it and change their life. But every one of them, I believe will tell you the same thing. And they would say it incorrectly because they just don't know how, but they would say from the moment I met brother Andrew or, or miss Brittany, my life changed. But what it really is—the moment they met the real Jesus through somebody—everything shifted.
0: Does um, so for you, for you and Brittany, is this, is this something that you is is this something that you feel, or do you have any insight on? Will you carry this to another city? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not necessarily the house and the way that we live. Um, I, I know that when I opened up the first sharp sickle, I know the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want five more in five years. Now, he didn't say five more coffee shops. He didn't say five more churches. <clears throat> he just said five more in five years. So what we're on is a mission of what is that? Mm-hmm. And so right now it's kind of looking like coffee shops because we opened up the first one in March two years ago, we opened up the second one in April or May. It was April, the next April, year. April, the next year. And so the point is, is, is I believe that it's possibly both. I believe that it's coffee shops that birth churches or businesses that birth works. Mm-hmm. And so you know, in, in, in India, we have a large work in India where we have 46 churches that we've planted. We started off with none and connections happen and, and we have a heart for India. And so the the, the churches we've got a spiritual son on the ground there and he's raising up pastors and planting works. And we're helping do that with traveling and Zoom calls and all this stuff. And, and some people, they, they look at our ministry and they go, well, the, the, the coffee shop is the main point of their ministry. It's not. It's just a sign. It's a sign of believers doing what believers do, and there's an overflow. There's an overflow of prosperity, and it's not a prosperity gospel, but God wants the people to prosper. He he don't want us poor and destitute. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus had all kinds of money. And so the reality is, it's like he wants us to be successful, but not to count on our success to make it. He's our focus. He's why we make it. And so just better facilitating those funds that are coming in to better propel the gospel of Jesus Christ to shift the culture in America as we know it and see change come to pass because it's got to change or it's, it's, it's like where you and Brittany were like, if if I continued the way I was, I'd be dead. Mm -hmm. If America continues the way that it is, it'll be dead. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I have to ask you a personal question, Andrew. Um, You know, you being... In the in the the position that you're in, how what are the checks and balances in in your life personally? Because no matter no matter what people, a lot of people may not be able to understand this. And but when when you're in a a leadership position, you're and, and not only this is a heavy position. This is, this is, you just described it as, as the position of this sounds bad, but I got this, I've, I've, I've got it right. And I want to take what I know is right. And I want to impact people who have got it wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a heavy position to hold and like. How have you built in or what are the checks and balances in your own life? Because as I'm sure you would agree with me, you're not perfect and neither am I. Yeah. And so that's been a struggle in my own personal life, having a leadership position or position of influence. How does that plays out for
1: you? The the biggest thing to be a successful lever is always seek to find out where you're wrong, not where you're right. Mm -hmm. Always seek the rebuke, seek the correction. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I have I have leaders. I have a spiritual father. That's what we call them spiritual fathers in my life that pastors a large church up in Pennsylvania, has raised up giants in the faith, has got such wisdom and has been in the ministry for over forty years and and is an amazing, amazing man of God. And I I hide nothing from him. Mm-hmm. Every conversation, every situation, if if I feel that there was a rough Situation that I'd handle with someone, I submit it to him with both sides being told as clearly as I possibly can, and I don't look at him and say, "No, tell me where they were wrong." I look at him and say, "Tell me where I was wrong. Tell me where I can be better."
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I have other voices in my life that I'm talking to every other week or something like that, and we're walking through things and bouncing what I'm hearing the Lord say and what He's having me do, and and how can I better do this, and how can I better manage money, and and it's everything. There's nothing hidden. There's no area of my life that I'm not looking for ways to be better, to be more like Christ. So it's not just saying I got the word of God. I can just study this out and I'm, I'm a son so I can just go to the Father. I don't need men. No, I need men. I mean, if Jethro walks into the wilderness and tells Moses, you can't lead all these people. You need to assign some judges. Yeah. To take care of this, then we probably need some leadership in our life that are watching over everything that we do. We have board of directors that we meet with every every quarter and walk through everything that's happening, not just here but abroad in the in, in India and other works that we're a part of and we lay everything out. Mm-hmm. And so there's full permission for that to always be that way. And even like even in the house, like we have a very strict rule that men are never alone with females. Mm-hmm. So if you're not married with married to them. Do not be alone with them. Mm-hmm. And we're very extreme on that. And and when people first come, they don't understand that. And I'm like, it's not about what happens. It's about what people think is happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's what they see. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've got um, Billy Graham. Billy Graham would not I mean, we're we're none of us are at the status of what Billy Graham was. I mean, the dude was super famous, living out a gospel, preaching it the, the way that he's seen it, leading millions to Christ. And he wouldn't even go out to eat alone with his sister. Because people don't know that's his sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all it takes is a tabloid coming out and saying, Billy Graham cheating on wife, and it's his sister. By the time he rebunks it, it doesn't matter. People already believe whatever they want to believe. Mm-hmm. And so we have such extreme structure to protect what God is doing, not ourselves, what God is doing. Mm-hmm. And if people cannot, and it's, it's what the gospel says, it says live in such a way that no one can say bad of you. And so we're trying to get to that point. Like, we understand when he wrote that, he wasn't saying, like, you're going to get to a point where no one can say anything bad about you. What he's saying was pursue that. Yeah, That's the pursuit. You'll never get there, but live in that pursuit. Put structures and checks and balances in such a way that if anyone comes and says, you know what? Well, you're not under any authority. How are you just out here doing this? Here's my authority. Would you like to talk to them? And so now they have to go, Um, I was wrong. And so, like, we just... We live and it's what I talked about earlier, Adam in the garden walking naked with God. I walk naked with the leadership in my life. I walk completely vulnerable with all things able to see my leadership's been in my house. That we've got a conference coming up November 9th through the 12th, and they're coming the leadership's coming in, and we're gonna we're gonna just preach what we call the HID conference, which is healing identity and deliverance. And we're just gonna walk people and all three of those are identity healing comes because of identity deliverance comes because of identity you remain free because you identify as a son or a daughter of God mm-hmm. and so like they're just my life is just open
0: yeah. you answered my question very thoroughly and what what I loved about it is um when you said no I I need other men around me mm-hmm. that are uh that 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 know everything about what I'm doing, you know, it, that just resonates so much with me, man. Because you know, I look at my my own circumstance and I think if I didn't have my brother, I mean, if I didn't have my man Chili, if I didn't have the the ones that are like those those people, those men. Like I believe I would destroy myself, mm-hmm. it, even even with Christ. Like I I I don't I don't think that I am capable of like just going and walking out and doing exactly what I'm supposed to, what I'm here for, what I'm supposed to be doing without those men surrounding me. It's it's like it's an absolutely essential part of the mission for me i and i think for everyone yeah and um i don't know i think it's a good i think it's a good reminder for people because i i think a lot of there there are a lot of messages out there that uh kind of foster the idea of of you can get to a place where you can just go it alone and and people don't you don't you don't need to be you don't need to worry about being transparent or open or you don't need to worry about having mentors you don't need to worry about having people that that check and balance the the decisions that you're making the things that you're saying the things that you're teaching you don't need to no man I gotta have that brother mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got to have that absolutely and uh, i love I love the way you 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 described it that's powerful, man. All right. How um how can people, other than coming by the shop, how can people find you guys, follow you guys, support you guys? Yes. Yeah, so What's the best place,
1: man? I right, come
0: here, you preach, or, or come here,
1: Seth preach, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I mean the obviously the best way and what we prefer is is just to come. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't come on a Wednesday night, we understand everybody has churches, Saturdays are open. What else are you going to do but come get filled up with more Jesus? Mm-hmm. And so come and come and be relational with us. Get to know us. Hang out with us. If you're not local, I mean, you can go to awaken-ministries.com. And uh, there's a po- we have a podcast where all of our Saturday night teachings go on there. Um, and there's, they're working on a wilderness gathering, which is the name of the gathering. It's called Wilderness Gatherings. Um, and, and those teachings on Wednesday night will go on there. But, you know, we have people that listen all over the world. Um, on the Awaken Ministries podcast, and, and we're not putting it out there. You know, if God, if God leads you to sow into our ministry, by all means, go ahead. If he tells you to pray with us, by all means, go ahead. We're not doing any of this for money. We're mm-hmm. doing this to share the good news of Jesus and that you're redeemed mm-hmm. and you're, you're set free from all the ways of this world. You don't have to be like the Christians of this world. You get to be like Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's our main goal is just to put a deposit in each person that they can be different than the way they walked into the room, go be different in the world, just let your light shine and be love to a world that needs love right now. And and so those are those are ways that you can you can partner with us and, and and to see what's going on and you know we've got that conference as I mentioned November 9th through the 12th. It'll be down at 333 Broad Street. That's where the services are held. Um, and man just come, come and see Come and just get drunk in the Holy Ghost and just love people better.
0: Love it, man. I'll attach a link to um, the website in the description of this episode if you guys want to check it out. Man, what a conversation. I told you guys earlier. So if you would have heard our podcast this past Wednesday, (laughs) sometimes we just get on the podcast and just, just be goofy. You know what I mean? I try to keep it under, but you know, it's like
3: two full grown bulls and here's a human holding the horns,
0: you know, I just but get jug around. When but. we come in here, man, and we're, we are blessed enough to be able to sit down and have real meaningful conversation, conversation about actionable things, about things that are going to impact, uh, people's lives, their eternal life, that are going to impact community, that are going to impact the world. Um, I don't know. It's a pleasure, man. People don't get to have these conversations. And uh, so much of what you said today, Andrew, man, I needed to hear it, brother. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to come and uh, pour into us, man, and pour into our listeners. And, uh, it means a lot. It really does.
1: It's really a pleasure. It's just, it's just what I do. I just, I can't do anything else. Yeah. you just have to pour into people and you've got to make them realize you can do this. Yeah. And there's such a better way. It takes the pressure off Mm -hmm. when you realize he's already done it. I just need to live what he paid for. Mm. And it's just, people are just living in so much pressure of religion and and trying to make it like just yield to the fact that he's already made it for you.
0: Yeah. And likewise, Brittany, I wish I would have got to hear more from you <laughs> and your and your story, um, and your testimony. Maybe we can do another podcast
1: one day.
3: Yeah, I think there's another few podcasts uh, in these two. A, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So we
1: can, we can just come on here once a month. <laughs> There's <laughs> There's you got to unpack. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for coming, Brittany. Yeah, it's it, an honor. Really, really awesome to have you. Um. So I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all the support that you guys give us here at three seven project. And if you got anything out of this episode, I just ask that you would, uh, share it with somebody. Just text them over the link or, um, Share it on social media. Let us know what you thought, what you got out of it. Uh the only way that this show grows and this conversation gets out is if you guys share it. That's it. We don't we don't market it anywhere. We don't none of that happens. So uh if it ma- if the conversation mattered to you guys, just ask that you'd share it. It mean a lot to us. So We'll see you guys next week, Lord willing. Enough said.